Howdy folks, Generic Cowboy here, telling you that this episode of the Eclectic Gamers Podcast is brought to you by the Roanoke Pinball Museum in Roanoke, Virginia. Roanoke Pinball Museum, it's an interactive museum, it's sort of dedicated to the science and the history of pinball. Its mission is to cultivate curiosity in science, art, and history through pinball but while preserving and honoring its role in American culture. The museum is open every day except Monday, and it houses over 65 machines with models ranging from 1932 to 2018. I sure hope they have a buckaroo. Roanoke Pinball Museum, your world of entertainment awaits. Okay, no, that that seriously hurts. <laughs> it was starting so well. <laughs> nope, I'm broken now. Oh, broken! Wow, <laughs> I broke it. Well, that's oh, staying oh, well. in. That's staying in. So that's staying that in. That's was, fine. That, that was Tony's Doctor Claw. I was trying for it. I was trying for it, but <laughs> now my throat's all. I broke my throat. <clears throat> we'll see. Episode one hundred and seven. Sunday, January 26th. They're going to have to play this at three acts. <laughs> to get through at this speed. That's, that's terrible. Oh, gosh. Oh, it hurts. It sounds cool, but it hurts. So, yep. Yeah, no, uh, so you don't have to replay it. It's episode 107. Mm-hmm. Today is Sunday, January 26th. I am Dr. Claw. You were. I was. Now I'm just Tony. Now you're just I'm just Dennis. Yeah. Welcome, I'm everyone. Just Oh, we've got a lot of new, especially in video games, but we've got a lot of drama to go through on pinball. Total Drama Island! Yes, you know, my my favorite thing to be involved with, drama. And since it ties to something that I am affiliated with, it puts me in the very interesting position, I suppose, of speaking about it from a, a slightly different perspective than I'm used to. But we always would cover stuff like this, and we're not making an exception. Yeah. Uh, but what's gone on since the last episode? Because we still have intros. We do have intros. What has gone on? Yeah. It snowed some. A bit. Um, but you don't run plows or anything. I don't run. So. Well, I don't run. I don't drive them myself. I, I, I send people out. I'm, yeah. I'm, you're part, like, of, I'm part of the deployment cle- team now. Clear it. Clear my street. Like, Blow my street. Mm. Yeah. Stuff like that. No. Uh, I have. Well, we just had a game night. Yeah, yesterday we 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 played some new games. We had a we gift did exchange. we played a lot of games. We played a ton. There's a couple of, games. of our friends who moved down to Texas uh, a number of years ago. Uh, have moved what? back to Kansas a, a decade plus. plus? Yeah, yeah, between ten plus. and fifteen plus years ago. Because it was, I mean, I was back in Kansas from graduate school, and it was only within, I think, a couple of years. Yeah, that they. <laughs> That they moved because because one of them she has family she's from Texas right and we grew up with her husband yeah. Shane so and they're big gamers so we they finally they moved back a few months ago but you know getting things settled and, and so this was the first game night they've been to since before other than maybe a couple times when I would coordinate with a visit, yeah when they were in town which were very you know it was very very challenging rare because usually that's like it was like three days to work with. 
But anyway, so that was really cool. And they knew a number of the same board games that Tony knew. So we, what do we, what do we play? We played a couple of those yeah. cyanide and happiness. Yeah. We played the things. cyanide happiness joking hazard game. Uh, we played the sign, which was a Kickstarter game. Cyanide happiness games are like all Kickstarter games. We played the cyanide and happiness, uh, trial by trolley game, mm-hmm. which I'd picked up on Kickstarter. It just came out. Uh, I literally, it arrived in the mail last week. Um, and we played Bang, which was a Western game that I've played in the past. Mm-hmm. So because it's in Italian, yes, because it's a spaghetti Western. Yes, but due to my versatility in Italian, we were okay. Yeah, you definitely didn't have to use the subtitles under everything. Yeah, in English. I don't recall. I yeah. don't know. I went out so early, and it. I guess it didn't <laughs> matter. Um, but that was fun. I liked all of them. Yeah. Well, yes, we had that. Uh, only things I have to add are, well, I have a clarification. Clarification. From, yeah, yeah. We had another person. I'm going to say his name wrong, so, but I'll try anyway. Glenn Wach- Wacher. Actually, he's, I'm going to say Glenn W. He's actually given me a suggestion for an article that I'm trying to work on, but more on that when that's actually done, because I'm still in the process of code of coding, uh, relevant data on over 400 pinball machines because of it. Ooh. There's always more. You know, it's not the writing of the articles that takes all the time. It's the it's research. The research. Yeah. Have you ever thought of just writing editorials? Yeah, but I don't. I mean, who cares what my opinion is on anything? Is where I kind of arrive at. Yeah, I know that's what we're doing. Actually, isn't that kind of what yeah, we're doing? kind of. But, but again, why, but who wants yeah. to read it? You want to listen to it because then you hear Dr. Claw. You don't want to. I mean, yeah. you don't hear that when I write. I don't know. I did have someone once write to me <laughs> and say... Uh, or actually, I think they maybe publicly posted it and said, I really like it when I uh, see Dennis's articles because I read it in his voice that he podcasts with. It's like, well, but that's my normal voice. So, yeah, it's like, pretty I, much. I, yeah, I'm not getting a lot of offers to do books on tape or anything. Yeah. I'm not Will Wheaton or You're as not- we say, Will Wheaton. But uh, so anyway, uh, Glenn wrote in and noted that Far- Pharaoh. Uh, pinball I machine. I've ever played Pharaoh. I, and that's what I told him. I could not remember if I've played it. It was at, I think it was at Casey Game. Uh, well, I guess it's not the right name anymore, but I can't say pinball tournament. I think it was in the, not in the tournament bank, but over it on the free It was in the game, in, in the free yeah, play but bank. Yeah, but someone was on it, so I know I didn't play it there. Uh, but anyway, it allows you to build up and hold the, uh, Magnusave. But I'm not surprised that it does because I do recall hearing, I think it was back on a Topcast episode, that it's seen as the precursor to Grand Lizard, that Barry Which Os- is like Osler, the greatest soundtrack in pinball. Yes. Well, it doesn't have that, but it apparently <laughs> has the Magnusave feature, which we had already re- heard back someone clarify that Grand Lizard had that right. same feature. So not surprised. Uh, I did have an article come out. At the start of the week, uh, Jeff Patterson with uh, This Week in Pinball did not have his usual Monday piece. He mentioned he was going to take a month, which he didn't. He actually has been putting stuff out. (laughs) He just can't resist, I suppose. But uh, I did write a uh, an article on uh, market trends, which was something Jeff had Mm -hmm. asked for a few months ago. And so what I did is I took all of the pinball machines that were eligible for the 2018 game of the year award which was the award that was given out back in march right and that way that meant i had over a year on all of them right so you did yeah so i went through and i did them in the order uh, of the votes so i started with iron maiden which was game of the year and i worked down to the least popular from the voting and you know included polynomial graphs where possible and where it looked like the trends were going on that and part of the reason i did that is 
I also, and I have a link in the show notes to it, I did my last This Week in Pinball podcast episode with Zach Minnie as the host. And one of the things I told Zach was, if This Week in Pinball podcast were to win favorite podcast of the year for the 2019 Twippies, that I would do another Market Trends. That's not going to be, I mean, Jeff might let me on to do it, but, right. but because that's, so I wrote one to cover all bases because right. I, I don't want to lie. <clears throat> you didn't want to be a liar. No, I did not. So here. So I did the article. I'm, to cover base. I don't think, I really don't think it will win, but. but just in case. Like, well, the podcast was, and we're going to get in a little bit. On, I actually thought this week in pinball, I knew Zach was leaving. I thought it was going to be after TPF. So I thought there would still be an opportunity to do the episode. Right. But that was not the case. <clears throat> I'm going to float you an idea for more research. Okay. For market trends. Because mm-hmm. I know you love it so much. I don't, I'm not opposed to the concept of market trends, but go go on. I'd like to see a decade's worth of the Chicago gaming releases. So the original game price, the way the releases, when the releases hit, have affected the original game prices. Oh, you want to see like comparative two-line graph? Yeah. Okay. I'm, you notice I'm writing it down. I'm not. Yeah, I know. I'm not, not writing it down. That's a lot of data segments. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it wouldn't be too too bad because um, I don't I don't know how bad the volumes of those games are going. But doing the the article that I that Glenn suggested that I'm working on, which is related to the SCS uh, state championship mm-hmm. uh, and what games were in use there. Oh, like, interesting. Like I'm not done going through it, but I'm and I'm doing them alphabetical. So <laughs> so bear in mind, but. Attack from Mars currently is easily the game that was in the most of those. That doesn't surprise me. And it's like, so I <coughs> just this, dread to see the sale counts. I love Attack from Mars. I don't think it's a really good competitive machine. You have to, you know, you have to adjust. I mean, I know one of the gripes with some people at 403 Club is they've always basically got it in tournament mode where the mystery is always the 50 million mm-hmm. points and you don't get any of the fun stuff. Right. And I've heard some people say, you know, it's just because I think you need that if you want to get things like strobe multiball and yes. such. And that, so people just feel like it's not as fun of a game. Whereas you do, you do want it set that way in tournament. Obviously. But when people are there just free playing, it makes them sad. Right. It's so. that, and I agree. That's, it's no fun to go, oh, 50 million, 50 million. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. But I get it from a balancing why in tournament. Right. Or at least it's, for something big like the SCS, you definitely want that turned on. Cause right. Oh, definitely. Oh, great. He got strobe multiball. I guess I lost. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that definitely has to be turned on for that. I just am going on the fact that it's like one of the longest playing games out there. Well, everyone knows it. It's a fan layout. It's relatively safe. Um, and they've got it fairly brutal at four or three. At yeah. Least. So anyway, so let's move into pinball. Moving into pinball. So I guess the big news, uh, all actually, I originally had all these show departures and stuff. I'm just going to roll it all in under. The Pinball Network, or I'm just going to keep saying TPN because I'm lazy. Uh, TP Because it's all now been, even if it wasn't initially tied to it, there's been a lot of sort of linkages to it. Now, the first thing, I guess, since we last recorded, there has been the, there was a teaser trailer that came out for the Pinball Network. And then this week on Wednesday, the quote unquote launch trailer came out that named I think nine people, including myself, is being involved with with it whilst whilst 
going through and trying to get more people interested now that it was public. There's an email address for people to say, hey, I want to do something with, right. with this. So the first thing I want to do, though, is there was uh, a lot of reaction regarding the trailer because what was noticed is all of the people in the announcement were all all men, all white, mostly Midwesterners. All of the founders are Midwesterners. And so, and that made people feel like the group was, it, it was excluding people. So I apologize for the trailer conveying a message that we weren't inclusive because that was not the goal and that was not the intention. So clearly mistakes were made and the goal is to do better. I think since the trailer went out, people have seen evidence that we were trying to be inclusive, but the trailer did not convey that. So let's start with. Why it didn't com- convey that. Now, part of that is obviously, I, now I did not make the trailer myself, but I did have the opportunity to look at it before it released. And I had someone message me. This was actually, and not on this topic. We were talking about something else. And this was after the, this was a, like a day later after the, the trailer went out. But I think it was, it was a good notation because, uh, what he said, and I'll just quote the one sentence was, yeah, I thought you would be the voice of reason to call attention to that. So. And that, of course, has been what's made this last week particularly exhausting, that sort of sense that I dropped the ball and failed people, like those that thought, well, but if anyone would have caught it, it would have been Dennis, and that I wasn't good enough to catch it has been difficult to to accept I can on myself. That. Well, because we've covered these topics a lot. We've talked about diversity in pinball a quite a bit, and we've and that's why when it came out and the way it came out was at first and where most almost all the discussion was was over on the dead flip facebook page where jack danger had made a satirical meme with a bernstein bears cover i actually remember that book because we had the bernstein bears books growing <laughs> up so i remember that one and uh he he kind of mocked it up uh with the pinball network being referenced and just sort of asked about the lack of women in the launch trailer last i looked that post had over 300 comments a lot of those comments are discussing the video. There weren't accusations of the, on the people involved, at least not that I recall. It was all focused on the video. And while I don't think that a satirical meme style post is how you launch an adult conversation about inclusive, inclusivity, I'm fine with it being public. The video was public. I wasn't angry that the topic came up, but I was really sad to see so many people in the comments that weren't talking about the video just hating on each other. Because people just went into corners and just started talking past each other. And it was, well, that's and a, we've seen it so many yeah, times. I would say and that is something again. we've seen so much. And, in, I mean, all over the world, but especially in pinball and especially in the last few years, it feels like it's getting worse. Yeah. And it's like, that's where the struggle has been and where I look at myself in the hobby sort of give my perspective of what it was like. That whole next day was just. A lot of people reached out directly. They'd email through to Eclectic Gamers, yeah. so, which I usually check. I have that set up so my phone lets me know when we get those emails. Right. And so, and a lot of people who didn't really know me would re- would reach out and they were, I mean, they were very nice. They were, they'd say how they felt. They usually would say, well, I'm glad you went on and, you know, you said, yes, I see what the issue is. And I do, I do see it because again, we've covered this quite a bit. So when it was pointed out, I was like, well, how did I miss this? It doesn't really make you want to be a content creator when you're feeling 
like I do right now. And that was always my fear when we started each right. years ago. I mean, if people go back and listen to episode one and we're so formal and don't go listen yeah, to episode no, one. No, no, I don't really recommend it. Don't, also, don't listen to episode two. Well, episode two is worse because that yeah. was where we had the bad audio at the end yep. uh, because of my laggy computer. But, but I, I thought the content on those episodes was okay. But that was my big concern when we had come up with the idea of, hey, let's try podcasting. It's like, well, you're putting yourself out there. And what happens if you say something? that doesn't go over well and then you have public criticism and i'm not used to public criticism uh, it feels about like what you would think i would i would say even when it's it's focused on the trailer not you as an individual it's like no it uh it, it feels pretty bad because so, it's, well, it's still something you're involved with. It's still something yeah, that has your project, name on it. Yeah, it's a project has my name in it, on that, it and yeah. and i i did see that i i watched it once i was i cramped so here's the like why did i not put more care into my review of it and we had picked a launch date already before the trailer was done and so there was a there was a, a lot of pressure amongst us to launch when we had chosen so when the trailer was ready i was working and i wedged it between a conference call and a multi-hour meeting i had at the end of the day and it was just like i watched it I clipped back to a few scenes to make sure that the spellings were on the names were over the right people. I didn't even know the names of all the shows until I saw the trailer that were showing up in it. Right. And I'm just like, fine, it's fine. And that was all I did. So I clearly did not review it very well. That's, and I just forgot about it after that. So I got home and then I saw, oh dear, oh dear, <laughs> this caused more of an issue because. I am not interested in marketing. And so I've been really hands off with the, uh, with the group. In fact, even after the, you'd think, you'd think I'd learned my lesson, but even after this, when they wanted to talk about logos, I'm like, I don't care. Just decide what you want for a logo. And I didn't say leave me out of it, but I was just like, I want to be left out of it because I just don't care. Game back to the, the relevant parts, the parts people want to hear about. Uh, so, all right. So why were we so committed to the deadline? And that was because of the existing pressure that was felt already. So obviously on retrospect, making sure that the trailer conveyed the inclusiveness that we were going for was paramount. But at the time, we knew that there were a lot of people that were expressing, I was going to say outrage, but that's a bit extreme. They were upset because there was a, a segment of the podcast listening population that felt like they were being emotionally manipulated by all of these shows quitting, pretending to quit, but actually going well, to, to be do fair, this. they quit. Yeah, well, but not everyone knew that. And that's I'll, I'll get into more of that later. It's, it looked more coordinated than it was, which initially, for those of us and the kind of the five people that are, quote unquote, I said core group, founding founders are probably better because then there have also been discussions. Well, why is the core group all Midwesterners and stuff? And it's like that, the founders were who Zach went to that he'd either worked with before or is friends with is my understanding. So I was the four, fourth out of five to be approached. The difference between that and the other content creators was when they tried to bring me on board, they told me you will have creative say. That was you know, one of the Lulus, one of the sweeteners right. to doing it was you will have creative say in terms of uh, what sort of programming we we put on and all that. But under, I'll get more into that in a bit, because when I came on board, I thought this was a single podcast. So it's evolved from when they tapped me on the shoulder. It was not called the Pinball Network when I was tapped on the shoulder. So anyway, 
there was this pressure though of okay, well, there are these people. We already, you know, the teasers out there. They they know the name of the show. Uh, people were already starting to troll it, which I expected, but you know that bo- that bothered some people. And there and we'll we'll touch on that as well a little bit later when we get past the trailer part. But given all of that, it just at that time it was like we kind of hard locked on needing to launch on Wednesday, even though like February 10th is the first episode of anything. Right. Which is kind of like, well, we need to, it's all right. We did the, the, we did the hype thing with, you know, the shutdowns and everything and the, and the tease. And now it's like, now we got to tell them, okay, calm down. It's not the end of the world. Not all of these, you know, not all of your favorite podcasters are going away. It's going to be all right. And so that just became tunnel vision. We tunnel vision. You guys that's got my inter- locked in. That's my interpretation. Well, that's we what it sounds like. I mean, I I was, again, I was fairly flippant about it in terms of I didn't really care when we launched. I thought the sooner the better, though, because I knew there were, I mean, I read Pinside. I knew there were pressures of people that were like, this is not right. You guys are toying with us. Uh, you know, we feel betrayed. It's a minority view, but it was a view. And, you you know, there was a desire to not drag it out and and looked like there was this huge vacuum of all these podcasts going away and that there wasn't really anything else planned. Uh, that was extra complicated by how Twip Podcast ended. It was those things that kind of caused that. And clearly, when you think about it and you take a step back and you take the 100-foot view, it's like, how could we be so stupid? Because it was less than 24 hours later that we had Crystal locked in. And we had... And that was the other thing, I think, where the tunnel vision happened. Internally, we had been talking about so many different people to reach out to about being involved. And women were included. It was diverse. It was a diverse group. And so I did not handle any of the outreach to any of the content creators at the at the, at the start before the trailer. That was because that's the other pressure. Uh, there was concern because of hype control reasons of leaks. So you couldn't shotgun, that was thought, you couldn't shotgun the offers out to everyone initially. And the idea is, well, once the launch trailer's out, we will be inviting people to tell us if they're interested in being involved. We didn't want to force, you know, they're not trying to peer pressure people or anything. It's like, here, consider this. Oh, it's open to everyone. And that and that's that has worked. We have a, an email account, which has got, I think, over a half dozen from the first day of people saying, I want to be involved. Right. But- in the initial invites, I know of two women for sure that were approached, and Crystal was one of them. The problem was she she works for Marco, and so she, that's in the pinball industry for those that don't know. So she needed to get permission from her employer to be able to do the show, and we didn't hold the launch trailer for that, so we just didn't name her. As Rick Perry would say, oops. Oops. And that was an oops. Well, because that would have really, I think, sent a very strong message that, yes, we are we are inclusive. But she was heavily pushed by by Jason Fowler. In fact, he really, really thought she would add a tremendous amount because of her knowledge in pinball. Right. And once that name was announced, and and Crystal came out and said, "Oh, I was approached before all of this drama. I was approached before the trailer." In case people thought this was just a reactionary token maneuver. Right. And <laughs> so, so with Crystal confirmed now and and public it seems like a lot of people that were concerned and go oh okay yes you are trying to be inclusive you've proven it now so really after that first day it died down quite a bit but still there's a lesson to be learned there about needing to especially in pinball because you know it's been as we often spoke about it's a hobby that didn't have a great 
history of including women and we want that to change. And that was a desire of the TPN idea was a platform for people to be able to content create without having to worry as much about how to set it up, how to promote it, how to get it in front of eyeballs. So let me transition now into that and explain what TPN is and how I got involved in all of that. So I was approached a few weeks ago, uh, maybe it might be closer to two months ago at this point by Zach, Zach Minnie. And he said that he was leaving the TWIP podcast at the end of January. And as I noted, I've known that Zach was leaving in 2020. This was going to happen no matter what. Right. He had decided that that was a, that arrangement. He and Jeff, my understanding is mutually decided that he would quit being the host at some point in 2020. So I thought it was going to be after TPF original. I think that was the original intent from prior, made from prior discussions. I yeah. just thought, because then the, the thinking was that would be really clean because it's after the, the Twippies, which he and Greg Bone, his host from straight down the middle, they host that show and all, you know, and all of that. So, so he calls me and he says, I want to know if you'll be interested in doing, uh, continuing to do a podcast with me, but it wouldn't just be with me. So the idea was initially, and I don't think in practicality, it's not going to be exactly the same, but the idea was he and Ken Cromwell from Special One Lit, who's one of the hosts over there, were going to do a weekly podcast, probably releasing on Mondays. And they wanted to know if I would come and do every other week like I did with This Week in Pinball, opposite of my EGP weeks, just like I did with This Week in Pinball. And I said, yeah, I'm, I'd be willing to do that, uh, you know, assuming Twip podcast is, is stopping because I, my understanding is, I think the understanding of everyone is I am only on This Week in Pinball podcast to serve as a counterweight to Zach. Like, I don't know if I have a, really have a place. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Otherwise, I was, I mean, that was why I was brought, at least that's what was my understanding is I was brought in to bring balance to the force. <laughs> I'm your, I'm little Annie, but a better actor. Well, maybe not. I'm probably a terrible actor, but, but <laughs> I was that was, say. Hey, hey, don't judge me. You're doctor. You can't even do Dr. Claw for 10 minutes. I mean, you're right. On. I can't do Dr. Claw. I'm just, Claw sa I'm just saying glass houses. So, uh, so, and it's part of that. They're like, okay, we're, if you, and if you come in, you, you'll be considered as a founder on this idea. And I was like, you know, okay. Uh, the way I took it was I'll have an equal say in all the podcast decisions, which again, that's not my real, that's what we do on EGP. I had no creative control over with Twip. I mean, Zach might ask me for my opinion, but there was no, at least I had no expectation that I had a say in anything on that show. It was to be there as a, I was, a I was gun. Well, yeah, I, except I wasn't paid, but, but, uh, no, I didn't get, I didn't get a cent for doing anything with, uh, with the podcast. You were, you, 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 you but, were a recruited gun. Yeah. I, I mean, I did it for fun. Yeah. And if it wasn't going to be fun anymore, uh, I would walk away. Uh, I had, I had one condition to doing the podcast and they met it. And then other than that, it was a scheduling and it's, I don't want to imply that like I, I felt like I couldn't ever suggest anything, but the way I treated it was they have their segments, Jeff and Zach work out whatever creative thing they want out of the show. They tell me what they want and I try and deliver. That was my approach with it. Okay. So this was going to be a little bit different where it'd be like, if I wanted to 
have the ability to stop a segment, I would have a, I'd have a stronger hand. Or if I wanted to have a segment in there, I'd have a stronger hand. I'd have an equal say. I wouldn't just get my way, but it was going to involve four people because they were going to have another person host on the off weeks, my off weeks. So it was going to be a three person podcast with four hosts. Make sense? Okay. And it was not called the pinball network. Right. We had a working title, didn't have network in it at all. That was what I went, that's what I walked into. I was innocent. I tell you, you I was innocent. I was innocent. I was innocent. And now you're welcome to TPN. Well, then the final, the final thing was the idea about bringing in Jason Fowler and, but not to do that same episode. So the thought was, Hey, well, what if the podcast was actually putting out two episodes a week? Same name, you know, maybe a slight subtitle change or something. Right. But, and. Like kind of like what he's been doing with Slap Safe Pinball Podcast, have him do like interviews or something midweek, and then we'd have the Monday show and something like that. So that was the found that's the founder group. That's why it's the way it is. And Zach is a Midwesterner. He knew other Midwestern podcasters, or in the case of Greg Bone, uh, you know, his best friend and a, a, right. a YouTube person. So that's how that all formed. That was it. It wasn't and at least in my mind, it wasn't any more ambitious than just another podcast with a bunch of people who talk way too much about pinball. But I was still having fun. So I thought, okay, that sounds good. After that gets all formed up, you know, you have like a messenger group where everyone's talking. It evolved rapidly into this really ambitious idea of kind of whatever it is now. The, what is TPN? There was these talks of, okay, well, what about getting other people, new people, and saying, hey, you have a good idea, or we think you really, you know, we heard you guest host one time. We think you are, you have an ability to carry a show. We could put it on this. That way, anyone who's following the Pinball Network will have access to your content. You don't have to build your brand from scratch. And it's like, it's it was seen as a win-win. The more shows that want to be involved, get attention... It, Tony's shaking his head side to side about the win-win part. The way it was seen by as win-win in the discussions were Pinball Network benefits because they get more programming, which enhances the brand, essentially. Makes it more, no, I, you know, makes I, it more popular. I understand. I, I understand. Yeah. And then the way it was seen as a win for the other person being involved is like if it's m like monetizing and stuff like that is to benefit them. So like the I like one of the things is in YouTube, from what I've heard, because I don't have a, I don't, I'm not involved in a monetized YouTube, YouTube channel, is you can find out and see how much money is earned by video. So even if we have all the videos on TPN, we can figure out everyone's share. Right. Of like, okay, well, this guy, like Lee from Pinball Supernova, if his video earned $3.12, then you're able to say, well, you get $3.12, or you get 85% of $3.12 if we're taking 15% right. to pay for. I mean, you have to deal with the taxes and everything. See, because that's the, 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 right. the see that's just one of those things that floats out to me as, and this is going to completely derail. But it, mm. but it's something I've thought well, about. Since this is we, our only pinball topic, yeah. folks. And we have a ton of video games, so if you don't like this topic, just keep clicking fast forward a whole bunch, and eventually you'll get to yeah. the really confusing world of video games. This uh, this episode. <laughs> My question is just with the you've got the network, and you have all these people who the network is a platform for their shows. But if somebody whose show is on your platform and they decide they no longer want to be part of the platform, are they allowed to take their show as name and everything with it and walk away? Because there's a lot of networks set up 
like the network you're setting up where stuff like that's not allowed. Mm-hmm. Uh, or especially now this is something I've seen from uh, the YouTube area where you'll get large overarching production companies where if, a, if, if the creator whose show has their name on it and their show is 100% them, but because they're working with a production company, if they decide they want to leave said production company and separate the show, they have the choice of either abandoning their show and starting a brand new show with a different name and different assets that's not too closely related to their old show, or else they'll run into issues, or buying out their old show so they're allowed to leave. Right. I see. I, I, I mean, I mean, stuff like yes. that is because of where I've researched and things that have happened with groups that I follow online, that's some of the stuff that comes to mind is, is that is the type of situation and how the rules are situated for stuff like that. I mean, I'll, I'll be a hundred percent honest. I'm not part of it. Uh, I'm not in it. And so I don't, I don't, I don't have the background. I just have what you've, what, what you've said here and, and all of that. So the questions like that is the stuff that has, that comes up to me talking about it. Right. No, it's a, it's a fair point. And that was something early on that was discussed because not everyone agreed on the best way to handle that. And I don't believe there's a draft contract per se. So again, some of this may still be more fluid than it is in my mind. This is where the consensus arrived at regarding those sort of things. The desire is that whatever appears, if it's appearing on the pinball network, like RSS or YouTube or whatever, yeah. be unique to the pinball network. So, for example, if I were to create a show, a podcast on the pinball network and do an episode that I not re-release the same episode on EGP because I would be double, I'd be double dipping it like in network and out of network. But if you're too worried that Zach's going to wear your skin as a suit and you decide to exit the network, do you get to take that show with you or do you have to start a new show? My understanding is they can take the show name and everything with them. What I have recommended, and I don't know, I don't remember a vote locking this in is if there were episodes that were already done on the network, those get to step. You don't like no obligation for us to delete them, right? But you can still continue your show on elsewhere. And my recommendation is, and this is from the publishing side, where what's for a lot of people that aren't that haven't gone to like publish short stories as I used to. I used to write fiction actually, so surprise, but <laughs> um, and got paid for it too. Um, this was a long time ago. But one of the most common ways of how do you handle rights? Like, what's the right of the creator versus the right of the publisher? And the most common one, at least that I experienced, was the right of you give, I would sell the publisher rights of first publication. Mm -hmm. So they are allowed to go first with it. If they want to, If and in those cases, if they want to reprint it, that's a new deal. If I want to have it printed somewhere else, I can do that. As long as I have respected the first printal timeframe sort of right. provisions. So my recommendation to the group was I was, I was even fine with people getting to take the actual episodes away off of the network after a year. Yeah. They went away. And, and I've seen that before yeah. with groups where yeah. it's been so, like, like they've had it in their contract deals. Like we're separating, we're on our own thing. You can maintain the old episodes for two years exclusively. And then when that exclusivity uh, remain ends, we're gonna we will republish our old episodes on our new network. Mm -hmm. Right. So that is my position of where I would be fine with that. But 
I don't know if that's totally locked in. Uh, because again, this is just a group of people not really knowing what they're doing, trying to come up with it. But I thought it was very important to also say that you don't have to. The idea is the network wants what contents on it. We want it to be exclusive to that. So you're not just listing that in makes multiple sense. places. Other than that, though, if people want to run other shows at the same, again, like, like I am. Jason Fowler is with Slap Save. It's like that came up too, and it was like, do is, I, I mean, I told them I will not be involved if you're telling me that I have to get rid of my other show. That's I'm not doing it. Yeah, and I'm not moving it over here. And I thank you for that. So I well, it, and for, it wasn't it was not kicking me to you know, the curb and abandoned me for the new hot right. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's going so great. Um, yeah, no, uh, no, and that wasn't it wasn't a debate. That was they were like absolutely. And that's where some of the things were, well, what do you do if someone didn't already have a channel? And I believe the majority of us were, they want to form another channel as well and do like, I want to do one thing on TPN and I want to do a similar but different name thing here. No problem. The idea was to, and Zach's actually the one who's really big on this idea. He's like, he loves the idea of, especially people who haven't content created before, like growing them like little flowers. That's not exactly his description. I know you rolled your eyes, but the idea of finding someone and then helping them get established. And if in his stance, if they want to go off and do something afterwards and quit doing it, it's like, well, that's a win because you've still got a content creator out of it who's now out there making stuff for people to enjoy. And that's what excites him about it. Yeah. I'm sure you're really shocked to learn that he was one that has really been passionate about wanting this to be a big network idea and actually it'd be about teamwork and trying to everyone trying to help everyone make content and get it out there. Not about, oh, I got to undercut you because you're yet another podcast and you're my competition, which right. by and large, and this is my naivety. That's not how I've approached the hobby. It's not how I've approached viewing, the hobby. I mean, yeah, I guess we're all competing for listeners in a way, but it's, I listen to other podcasts. I don't want them to go away. It would be weird because then I wouldn't have what I listen to to listen to. Right. So I've never viewed it like, oh, that head to head, I got to beat them. Not that I could even if I wanted to, but. Right. Well, I don't think either of us have approached no, it no. that way. But I like, even as jaded as I am, I used to be an idealist. And so I thought, I don't know if this works, but I like the idea that it could. Yeah. That it would just be, I'm, I'm curious. The experiment to me is interesting. Yeah. Would, would this, are there people that'd be like, if they didn't have to worry about the, cause part of the idea is that TPN would be able to help with the marketing and pushing of the episodes. Does that make some people are like, I just don't want to deal with all of that. I don't want to have to set up a Facebook and I don't want to have to, uh, manage the, you know, it, sending the links out everywhere. And am I spamming? What am I, am I coming across like a it's tool? A podcast production company targeted purely at the pinball side of things mm. mostly i mean they even mentioned you know, if egp was interested they would like an egp style show Interesting. they being zach i don't know if I the know. rest of them were on board but <laughs> i said no i because we already got what we and that's where on the initial outreach back on who did we approach on the trailer in addition to the leaks there were people that were just ruled out because it's like They've already got this stuff down. We're not sure they right. would want to do it unless they had an idea of something that they would like this to be in and didn't fit with the, what the current brand was. Be like a well, like a Jack Danger, for example. He's so ast- what would he need? Any? Why would he be interested in something right. like? I mean, if I were him, I I wouldn't I wouldn't think about it because Dead Flip is dead is the Dead Flip. It's it's huge. It would be like if Head to Head had wanted to continue as a podcast. 
it's huge already. I just, I'm not saying that it wouldn't be interested, but I, our assumption would be that they would not. Right. Sort of thing. That's what happened with, uh, with Lauren and Backbox. Her podcast was going so well. We actually talked about inviting her specifically early on because her show's so good, but she's so established. It's like, well, I don't know if we really offer her anything that helps. You know, the idea is to, as it evolved, right. was to make it be a, to be a tool that's useful to people. That's, that's all it, all of that. So, right. Anyway, so that's how it evolved from just a podcast. And I, you know, full disclosure, there was at one point they were saying all this stuff. I'm so, I, you know, with my simple little brain am so overwhelmed. <laughs> I actually s- said, do we really need to do all of this? Could we not maybe just start with the podcast and then see what well, happens? See, it does feel like classic overreach. Or it's like, to me, it was like scope creep. Yeah. But I, again, even though I get listed as one of the founding individuals, I came in after other people were in on this. And I think some of this, while it was new to me, was already being discussed with some of the others. So right. what was sort of like, I'm not ambitious is I think part of the issue, not, not in pinball. So it's, to me, it's like, I, it's a bigger vision than I would have had in the hobby, but I don't, right. what I do in the hobby is really, it's very quite selfish. It's just really oriented around things that I enjoy doing. Oh, and, terrible. You're yeah, doing well, things you enjoy in your hobby well, that is your relaxation and enjoyment well, from the crush. Relaxation of- died a long time ago. But but um yeah, well, it's just I mean, but that's part of the thing that people need to remember as a pers- you know, I think helpful to remember as a perspective. It's like when we did EGP and we look at the analytics and stuff obviously because Tony and I would talk about gaming all the yeah. time. That's where the idea because I always blame Tony for us starting this because he's ball. the one who mentioned the idea. Hey, you know, we talk about this stuff, but every couple of weeks, it, we could just record it and it would be a podcast. Yeah. And I was like, what's a podcast? Cause I'd never heard one. And, and so th- when we launched it, it was, I remember seeing the, an- you know, looking at the analytics because with all the editing and time and the scheduling and stuff, you want there to be enough people that appreciate it that you don't feel like you're just wasting your time right. doing the edits because otherwise we could just talk and not have to go to i mean get them you don't have to swallow the microphone anymore right and, get all and get I, the extra and i don't have to make sure that the levels are okay in the voice meter software and, and buy an extra computer right, 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 right. yeah, yeah and so i remember i don't know what the th- early on i was trying to figure out because it grew slow for us and i was like i don't know what the threshold should be i reached the threshold of satisfaction at 100 a hundred listeners an episode. And I was like, okay, if a hundred other people actually want to hear the conversation Tony and I have, I think that's probably worth, yeah. a, you know, a effort every other week for, well, me, the, for me. To be fair, me. to be fair, if they want to hear a clean, sanitized version of our normal mm. conversations. Yes, yes. Our ratings would probably be higher if we were filthy. But again, we didn't want Well, to be fair, we are filthy. We are. We're just nice I, on the air. We are. Yeah, I don't, I don't deny it. I always try and be honest. That was on the the evolution of of the show. Now, since its launch, as I noted, we've had a lot of interest. We've had a lot of trolling. That was part of the and that I wasn't too surprised at the trolling, but like someone bought a, a domain that sounds like what we would have taken as a domain name. We hadn't really planned, I don't think, a website thing at all, honestly. So it wasn't one of the, like we secured a lot of the stuff we knew we needed, like social media, um, email, things like that. But it's just been I don't know. It's, yeah, that seems like those, one of those things that should have been just a, a secure yeah, and then just a leave it, leave again, it on retrospect, blank and dead. On, on retrospect, yeah, we should have. It's just, I think, 
And this is one of the frustrating things. This is a, well, no, let me whine as an aside, just real quick. I don't, un, I just don't, and it happens in other hobbies. I know it's not just pinball, but it really feeds into the stereotype of pinball that people just maliciously troll each other so bad or think they're being good natured trolls and it's still just malicious. They just pretend it's funny. I just, I don't understand it. I do. It's because through the anonymity that the internet gives them, it lets people be complete and utter assholes with no concern of retribution. I mean, I see why it, it's executable, but why why do they why do you think they enjoy it? I mean, don't and I I ain't no saint. Don't get me wrong. I have deliberately taken pleasure out of destroying opposition before. But it was really? always warranted. No it was always warranted. My, <laughs> always. I was the righteous one. You were the righteous. Got, you uh, had the fire. You had the light coming yeah. down from the skies. You stood there. All right. You the, stood on the field of battle and watched your enemies crushed before oh, you. Oh. And I, I, I won't share the full story because it's probably. Okay. All right. I'm going to tone down the religious overtones a little bit on that. But it that's happens. work. But that was work. And that was right. my job. Uh, yeah. This is my hobby. So I never understood going around and trolling people in a thing that I thought we were all doing to have fun. Right. But see, that's the thing. That little thrill you get from seeing your enemies driven before you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the fun part of the hobby to some people. Okay. Well, that makes sense, actually. It does. Because I otherwise. I, I, if, I, I, I understand. It. I yeah. Understand. Yeah. I mean, because otherwise, why would people cheat in video games because what's the fun of winning if you know you had to use That's, a bot yeah. no it's because they like what they, they they like watching people cry over it mm. okay yeah i get it that does make sense hmm. well i don't appreciate it but i guess when you're the one getting trolled well that's the you? thing and yeah right and not everybody's like that no. but enough people are like that when they pile on Especially when they see an easy target to pile on. Mm, that's true. It is just a feeding frenzy. There's a mass of them. And while they might not be anywhere near the majority, just like in everything else in life, everything else online, and in I, I mean, just in daily lives, the really loud stuff, the really out there is typically the vocal minority. Because the majority is having fun, and they're not getting involved one way or another. Case in point, I'm on this podcast. You handle almost all of the Facebook interactions and mm. all the... Well, I don't like social media. I don't use it very much. I use it some, uh, but I don't get involved in that. My preference of talking to people, like I'm talking to you right now, is face-to-face. -face. It's part of the same, the same issue. Why we record face-to-face -face like this is because, well, yeah, my house is really loud and it's full of kids and dogs and all sorts of stuff going on, which makes recording hard. It makes it sound bad. But at the same time, I'm always more comfortable talking to somebody face-to-face -face than I am talking to them otherwise because it's too impersonal for me. That's one of my little hiccups. That's one of my little hangups. It's the same way at work. I send hundreds of emails now. All the time. And you know what? I hate emails. I would rather pick up that phone and call somebody. Every single time I'd rather pick up the phone and call somebody. But emails are the way things need to be done. So I send emails. And that's just how things go. I mean, 
big group of people, the big mass of people, and that's the thing to remember, especially in a situation like this, is while there were a lot of vocal people, the vast majority of people didn't care. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's how it goes. Uh, touching off a few other things relating to the evolution before we talk about the various departures and how that all all tied in. And obviously, I can't share everything because a lot of this stuff is, is private and it's not meant for public consumption. But one of the things that's come up is the notion of shills. Let's talk about shilling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Uh, always a major concern. Uh, accusations I know Zach is very familiar with. Uh, and people have thought or speculated. And again, this is probably just poor communication on our part in the lead up. But like, oh, it's, well, this is going to be a group of people that are, they're just going to shill for flipping out or uh, we're going to be in the pocket of the manufacturers. I wondered, I never asked. I wondered if part of the reason I was asked to be involved with the podcast initially was because I think, I guess I don't know, I thought I had a reputation for not shilling. I, I, I hope. Personally, that you and I and EGP as a whole have that reputation because we kind of haven't pulled punches on any. And there are several podcasts, you know, of all the things that I ever see crop up on Pinside about when they talk about podcasters in general is there's an assumption that other than this one podcast, that all the other ones are liars. And it just pisses me off because there are so many honest podcasters that are being quite frank. And it's really clear no one's listening because otherwise they'd know that because it's super obvious. I mean, this is one of those things that the – I mean, we were talking about the quality control problems that some manufacturers had before it became the big thing. Sure. We talked about them. Sure. We talk when somebody has something – and we I think we're very clear that our all of our thoughts are our opinions – when somebody releases something and we think it looks like crap, we got no problem seeing when, it looks when like crap. We, uh, when we were contacted by Deep Root to be involved and in, uh, at TPF this year and hear from them, what was your number one concern? I didn't want to sign anything or be required to do it, say anything I didn't think was true. Yeah. I sure as heck that that's one thing, and I have not in my position as a podcaster uh signed an NDA and I don't ever want to sign an NDA mm-hmm. because I don't want to be restricted in that way. Right. And that was where uh I mean the way I've always described it for me is this is why I've never gone out of my way to make friends with people in the industry. It's not that I won't be friendly with people, but I don't that was like that was like kind of the price in my view. That was the price to be paid for choosing to plug in the microphone was I need to have a degree of distance because otherwise I'm going to just put myself in that really awkward position where what if I don't like my friend's game? Right. And it's a small hobby. So you're going to end up making friends that work in industry and stuff. You are. Anyway. And, but I just, some people, I think sometimes get into content creation because they love the hobby and they want to get to know and be friends with the people that make the things they love. And I'm not interested in that. Like yeah. I don't have a motivation to do. That. I I can love the I can love the game without knowing the person. It's fine. Yeah, that's perfectly fine. And I have no so, problems with that at all. That I mean, so. that's how we're saying. It. And it's one thing with especially with friends who are friends who are friends who you talk to sometimes, right, right. and but they're they're who you consider someone important. How people can could I can see why they would bend to keep from upsetting that person. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not really that person because I very much a who I am type thing. And if I say something that pisses you off, well, pfft. 
it's well, happened sure all the time sure and <laughs> i i think and i part of the thing with that i've heard zach mention especially on twip episodes where i wasn't on was that whole yeah it's like even he's, he's acknowledged and it is true even in private like if i ask dennis about something and he doesn't like it he just says that he hates it well if i hate it i mean right i don't say hate but but it's like yeah he's always like it's almost almost mean. And <laughs> it's like, well, no, I don't mean it to be. I am very blunt, but I always mean it in a respectful way. And yeah, that's just like my it, style. But it makes no sense to lie. No, you're not doing anyone any yeah. favors. Don't you want to know? I mean, that's where, as I, I noted publicly, and actually I communicate with Jack Danger after the uh, launch trailer. And while I didn't like that he used a satirical comic to initiate the discussion, I told him and I said it publicly. I didn't mind the video being criticized publicly. It was a public video. Right. It's your right to criticize it. I have criticized other public things and I will not sit here and be a hypocrite about it. So that's just because that's how we learn. We have to be able to, if, what if you didn't get to have any criticism, you wouldn't learn anything. So, so in the vein of all of that related to TPN, no manufacturers can sponsor. I believe we've already had that vote. I was very firm about that. I don't want this to be owned by a manufacturer because I think it just looks like if you're doing anything, I don't know if there would be any, if we wanted any reviews, for example, though, if you were sponsored by a uh, home pin, who would trust you on those games and who trust you on any games? Cause then there'd be the worry that you were undermining the other ones to make home pin look better. This is all an example. Home pin did not approach right. anyone to my knowledge about doing something like that. So none of those. Yes. Uh, there'll probably be some sort of sponsor esque arrangement with flipping out pinball. Cause Zach is a content creator and he's going to, but regardless, it was always my stance. Anyone who was on would be able to plug anything that they wanted. Well, no, that, so, ma- that, that makes so, sense. So, like, if Crystal wants to plug Marco, she can plug Marco. If uh, Jeff Tielis wants to plug Pinball Profile, he can plug... That's not a sponsorship. That's just, hey, you're doing stuff for here. You can promote your other stuff. It's only fair. We're yeah. not trying to take away on the other stuff. It's not supposed to be that way. You'll still talk about EGP. Yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, I mean the only other thing, right, the only other things I can note is I have emphasized that I do not want podcasts to have seven minutes worth of commercials about all the sponsors and all that. I hate that crap. That's terrible. Um, again, some of the stuff and how it will play out. To my knowledge, there aren't any sponsors right now, so it's not a, a big concern. With a big but, group, that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, a lot of these other people have sponsorship. Pretty much everyone else comes from a scenario where they had sponsors. And I just said, here are the things I hate. And no one objected to the idea of keeping the man. He was like saying, okay, we're not letting the actual builders of the game sponsor. Right. Like, I don't think it's a big a deal if you get like a mod maker sponsoring, for example, because we're, you're not, no one's going to have a show around building, or I guess you could have a show around reviewing mods, but to my knowledge, there isn't one in the works. But otherwise, I'm also like, I just don't make those commercials oppressive that, you know, so I'm trying with, those are my stances. I don't know how everything will ultimately look because it will depend on whatever the, someone else was working on a proposal on how to come up with right. how that would be handled. And it's not done yet to my knowledge. So, but, Again, another thing on me was I told them I won't be involved if you make me change how I talk because it wouldn't be fun. They want you to talk like this. No, 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 no. No. And they knew what they knew what I mean. I said, I like if because of all the people involved, we've all had different ways about how we talk about manufacturers talk about. And I was just like, I'm not changing. I'm not shilling. I'm not going to pretend I like things I don't like. These are the rules. 
And I say, if you don't like these rules, just tell me now and I'll, and I can walk away. I'm not going to be mad. And they're like, no, we would never ask you to change how you approach. We came to you because we like your approach. I said, okay. I just wanted it to be clear up front that if you get some weird arrangement or something, or, you know, Zach needs to sell uh, <laughs> Wizard of Oz Yellow Brick Road Edition, I'm not going to start saying that it missing the monkey mech is a good idea because it's not. And they were, they're, they were good with it. And I think most human beings understand that sort of stuff. But again, you see in the pin side echo chamber, a lot of people don't, don't seem to get it or they think that that's what it will be. And I can't talk about how other people will speak. I can only control how I will yeah. speak, but it will be as people are used to. And, and it's one of those things. I mean, people are also always going to see things, no matter what you want or how you want it to be covered. People are always going to see things differently. Um, just case in point, people are probably always going to take anything Zach says about a game with a grain of salt because he's a distributor. Yeah, and that's fair. I know that's always frustrated him because uh, and he I, was always overly positive even before he, he was, was a distributor. But I understand, I understand yeah. that. But I think it's something that should be expected because. Yeah, I mean, I would. I mean, that's literally his job. Yeah. Is to sell machines. Sure. So he's, yeah. And that's where I can see why one might identify value in having someone like me whose job is in no way related to pinball. I don't profit or lose regardless of how a game does because that's not my life. My livelihood is not dependent upon it. So let's talk about the departures because that's one of the, that's the last thing. And then we're done with pinball. Okay. Um, so part of the thing, part of the narrative, and I'm not at all surprised about this because it's just, I, I mentioned a ways back in this episode about all the coincidences. And then, of course, people thought it was all linked. And again, that is part of what created the pressure, in my mind at least, about getting the launch trailer out because things were cascading more than we had expected. So in terms of there have been several th departures that have happened since our last episode. There was the last Zach hosted This Week in Pinball Podcast. I stress that because Jeff is leaving open the idea of continuing to have This Week in Pinball Podcast right. under some other structure. That is was known, planned. The launch was built around the time chosen. So that is integrated into TPN's launch. Yes. Like it was, okay, we know that what the 20th of January was going to be the last TWIP podcast episode. And the launch date was kind of factored from there that it was going to happen shortly after Zach was off of TWIP and no longer affiliated with it, which makes sense. So that, that integrated next one, special one lit. They've, they've not stopped their podcast. They've announced that it's stopping in early February. They are still streaming under special one lit. My Ken Cromwell is involved with this new TPN project and he would be the best to ask for all the specifics. But my understanding is, well, the timing is integrated. He, he is, as he noted, I believe on, I don't remember which episode number, but on special when lit, it's the time issue of he's still doing the flipping out pinball stream. He's still doing special when lit streaming. And if he's going to be hosting another weekly podcast, Something needed to give. Right. And so Special and Lit, his decision to not continue doing Special and Lit is driven by the existence of TPN as well. There's a, uh, the next is head to head. There's a, they announced they were ending their podcast link in the show notes, totally unrelated. It was not related. Now people may 
Note that, well, but in your launch trailer, Martin was shown as being involved with TPN. That is because, as I remember, remember, I didn't do any of the direct outreach myself, but one of the ideas was on programming for the network and diversifying the programming lineup, which, you know, is another thing that's been a big focus, was something about competitive pinball. Jeff Teolis was approached to host something on competitive pinball, and I believe he thought Martin would be a good co-host and talk to Martin about it. And that's how Martin got brought in. Martin's decision to end head to head was already done. They were already, that was already happening. And he wasn't going to, he did not know about TPN at all. So their announcement had nothing to do. And the timing of it happening, just the TWIP uh, podcast final episode of Zach was already set when we saw the head to head announcement because it had come out like uh, less than 48 hours before. So yes, weird coincidence, but totally unrelated. Head to head pinball was not toying with the people. Illuminati. Yeah. Putting they, the they, weren't, together, they weren't part of the, maneuvering yes. everything. they weren't part of the hype machine. That wasn't part of the plan. It was just, that was just a, a happy little accident as Bob Ross would tell us. Happy little accident. Similar pinball supernova. I have a link to their termination announcement in the show notes as well. Pinball Supernova is a blog site. Uh, they were one of the first sites, first site I know of that linked us, linked our podcast. Uh, he also, Lee is the man who runs that. He has put out videos and stuff. I've cited him on EGP several times, even, uh, this, within this last 12 months on, you know, things that I first saw there, you know, when I, we do in our show notes. So we give credit and people can go and read the real thing rather than hearing our version of it. So he had announced that he was ending. His involvement in producing content in pinball, uh, it was, he was not, you know, he was, it was a fairly negative post. He was upset, uh, like his numbers weren't very good. So again, like with EGP, it's like, when do you not have enough people to make it worth all the effort sort of right. thing? And he was at that point where it wasn't worth the effort. Other things were sapping the oxygen away and his, his stuff was too small to seem like it was making much of a difference. So we saw that announcement uncoordinated with TPN. He didn't know about TPN. And again, in all those discussions, it was, Hey, well, uh, I think it would be, I don't think it would leak anything. If we contact him, let's see, maybe he would like to do this. And if we put it under the, the pinball network banner, it will drive that traffic that he wants. And so some of the YouTube people were like, yeah, we can track the analytics. So in terms of if there's income, if it's a monetized channel that he can get his share and, and it, you know, cause we're not, the content is by the content creators, not the, and that's where, when you were asking about that, like ownership sort of stuff. It's like, we want the content creators to get their stuff. The network benefits from it being branded as the network. So right. that's what builds it up, builds right. it up as a. And like I said, when, and that's why I'd ask those questions. Yeah, no, they're all good questions. It's also, I mean, they're all good I mean, questions. So Lee and Lee was like, yeah, actually, that's my big. It's like, he doesn't really, you know, he's talking about getting out of the hobby in his post and stuff. It's like, I don't, re- it's not that he really hates pinball. It's just he, it, it got him so down that he felt like he was doing all this work and no one was appreciating it. And we're like, well, do you want to try it like this and see if that gets you the the views and the involvement that is worth your time? And he and he was he was good with it. So of those four things that I'm there may be other announcements. I don't know. Of those four things, only two of them were quote unquote coordinated with when we were going to announce formally that TPN existed. Other two, completely random, and just as part of the handful of people we reached out to, uh, I mean, Martin, as far as I know, from head to head, was a total happy accident add-on. Lee was specifically reached out to, but he had already decided to end his thing publicly when we did it. 
And that's why he was seen as one that we could go to and it probably wouldn't leak anything that because it was right. like if he didn't, if he was done, he would just say he was done. So that that's how all those departures. I mean, I don't I hope hopefully that clears it up for people that maybe thought it was this massive coordinated thing, but it, it wasn't. And it just it, kind of worked out that way. Right. And as I've noted, though, some people have been confused as well. When we said it earlier in the episode, Eclectic Gamers podcast is not on TPN and it's not going away. It's continuing. Jason Fowler with Slap Safe Pinball Podcast is keeping Slap Safe Pinball Podcast. It's not on TPN. It's not going away. Those are continuing. There was no mandate for anyone to end their shows. Yeah. It was. Zach was leaving TWIP anyway, no matter. Even if this wasn't going to happen, he was leaving. And Ken, as I understand it, needed to free up the time to be able to do it. And so he just, the thing he chose was the podcast because they have more fun doing the streams, I think, uh, or it'd be too stressful. You don't want to burn. I mean, that was the thing when they asked me if I would do the show initially, when it was just a show, I asked, do you want me to try and do it weekly? Cause I'm still going to do EGP, but if you want, like, if you think it's critical for me to try and do it weekly, we can try it. And Zach told me absolutely not. I don't, I think I, I'm a, I would blame myself if I, if you burned out from, from trying that just to I make I, it work. Yeah. Well, I was like, oh yeah, I, I mean, that was always my concern with Twitter because Jeff asked me multiple times if I would, if I would do the show weekly, be the permanent other host. And I just like, I just, I think it would break me. That's a lot. That's a lot of time. Instead, I've just broken myself on the wheel of all of this. Oh, you'll heal. Yeah, I should be all right. But you'll heal. But I mean, it, it's it is time consuming. I mean, between your research time, the record times, the setup times, and everything else, and editing, and it it, it is time consuming. And doing a whole bunch of different shows a week, it would. I mean, it could eat up every bit of non-work time you have yeah. very easily. And that's the only currently in terms of TPM, the only plan I call it the main the main, I don't know the call the main the anchor podcast the one the idea that I was brought in on that's my that's the show that that's the only show I'm slated to do I'm not aware of doing anything because I I mean otherwise I'm pretty much stra- I mean I could like do something monthly I suppose I think the way on the live streams uh and this has still been evolving because yesterday my understanding was the thought was we were talking about scheduling and and bringing in live streamers to do various like blocks of time because there've been a, actually a lot of people who have written in want to want to stream pinball. That's what they want to do. They don't want to do a, like a show. They want right. to stream, and which is good. Uh, so the thought was, you know, giving them you can give each individual Twitch account a key to stream on a set channel, and the, but I guess looking at the logistics, the, it was like well. That's a good way to try and like drive it up to affiliate status. But then on Twitch, the tracking of when the donations came in and the bits came in, because we're trying to figure out how to give it back to the people who were doing the streams, it became nightmarish. So I think the current plan is actually to ask people to just have their own channels and we'll just arrange the hosting thing. And then if you just go to the pinball network, it will just jump to that person's channel. It'll they can handle the, they can handle the twit, the, the bits and they get it all and they get the tax burden and they get their money. That makes the most sense. And so in that case, I would be willing to do, if I'm doing a weekly stream of pinball, I'd be more than happy to say, ah, I'll throw a TPN logo up instead of the Casey loves pinball logo and let them host us. Yeah. And, and do it like that. Cause otherwise it seemed like more work than it was worth it to me. But, yeah, um, no, that makes sense because it might drive some traffic to it, and it's like, yeah, that's sort of that's again the win-win. They get their gets brand right. exposure, and then you get the more of your your murder bits. My as murder people bits. tell me, 
Do you know how many murder bits you have? I don't think you've ever emptied it. I've, no, I've I don't because I actually it's a, the Twitch has two factor authentication once you go affiliate, uh-huh. so I can't actually get in and see that. I've not uh, checked it. I have to make sure I log in through Chrome every couple weeks at least, so, so that I can easily change the headings. I mean, I can do it through OBS, but yeah, that, so I can actually see the analytics. Yeah, so, it's fun now, times because I, I and I haven't. Well, obviously, I haven't streamed in a long time. A I need long to. Time. I need to because we both just stream under the. We actually use the same OBS uh, login because we're logging in through the Twitch account, right? Which uh, I'm sure there's a way you can copy all those scenes over into a separate thing, but because of that, we actually built the stream under the 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 same main primary key because i remember the time you went to test <laughs> test <laughs> buttons and i just kept seeing all these donations and, but they weren't real and i was like what's going on it's because i was te- i was setting my st- i was, was working funny. and setting my stuff up. i yeah. thought my computer was going berserk and i was like no what is the way because it kept saying that eclectic gamers was doing it. it's like but i didn't i didn't do it i'm just trying to play just yeah i play silver slugger oh hard life so that's it for pinball i hope uh, everyone's caught up. I mean, that was the only quote unquote news. So, I mean, yeah, no, it's going to be interesting going forward. Now, speaking of going forward, video game stuff, there's been a lot. So video games, mm. there's absolutely no drama in video games. Never okay. has been, never will be. So we're going to start out with our drama free video game segment. And we're going to open with Sony. Yeah, Sony. Sony. Sony's great. PlayStation 5's coming out. That's right. Everybody's looking forward for to it. I mean, we're not going to be able to see it at E3 because Sony announced they're not going to be at E3. Yeah. That for the second year in the row. I think for the all the year in a row. Yeah, I think they're done. Uh, yeah. I, if they're, you're not going to be there to, to launch a new generation, uh, E3 dead to you. Hashtag dead yeah. to me. Well, here's the thing. With Sony not there, I think E3's dead. Mm. It might take a couple of years to finish out, but E3 is the big thing that it has been. Unless they do a major change, I think it's on its way out. I, I think it's. I think it's on. I agree. That's that's my quick statement. I think E3 has been on its way out for a while now because I don't think that they have, and maybe it's not possible, but I don't think that they've pivoted to deal with the new reality well at all. No. And here's my. And I know we've talked from time to time about E3. Here's where I think the issue is. And we'll see if you think this is the issue or where my, this, let me give my solution. See, I'm about problem solving. Let's You're solve, let's solve solving. the problem. And since I know nothing about playing a thing of that size and magnitude, let me just be an expert about it. Cause I know how to plan little events. So, right. So here's where I think the issue is. The problem for E3 is twofold. One, Given the rise of social media, influencers, and this fragmentation of how people consume video game news, publishers and developers have found that it's a lot easier to get their message known than it was, especially pre-expansive internet everywhere days, right. where you needed a big media event. So that's part of the problem is that it's now real easy to get your message at least out there to the public. So you don't need an E3 event to do it. The other thing is, I think, that the ESA is charging way too much for the spaces. And they could do that when they were the gatekeeper. But now that they're not the gatekeeper, they haven't lowered their pricing. 
And their solution has appeared to be to try and get more and more of the general public to what used to be a media event to try and turn it into packs, except it's not as fun. Right. So my solution here is they seem to be trying to lean into that pack strategy. I don't think it's going to work. I think they need to lean the other way and just say, okay, we need to get people back to this as an event because E3 still has as a name the cachet of being the big media event. Make it the media event again. Significantly lower the pricing that you charge for things to attend it and just accept that you're not going to make the same hand over fist ridiculous profit you right. got away with for and return And I would return to media only. I would as well. Return to media only. Cut cut the attendance prices and put together a more reasonable uh, cut down uh, plan for the overall setup because trying to grow in bringing in in non media people isn't helping them. No. There are there is a PAX for every section of the country and overseas. You can go to a local PAX. There's PAX Australia, PAX West, PAX East, PAX. They are everywhere and. They're fun. They're well put together. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing. You're not going to beat PAX because PAX knew what it wanted to do and is going to do it better than you. Right. Well, and I, I shouldn't say that it's not possible for them to become the next PAX, but they clearly aren't. They've been no. trying this for years now and it's just not working the same way. They're pissing off all the media there because they're running into all the plebs. Mm-hmm. They're, the queues are ridiculous. So the plebs are upset. And the pricing's so high, there's plenty of people that go, this isn't, I mean, this, that's what Sony's doing. This isn't worth it for me to be I mean, there. Here's the thing. EA was able to leave, rent a whole nother theater a block away, cheaper, and do a thing the same weekend, do the thing yep. the day before E3 starts after a whole other thing in a whole other theater that they rented than it would have cost them to have actually been at E3. Right. And then you've got, I think I've heard as well, like Microsoft owns something now where they've been hosting some of their stuff as well. So for them, while they've stayed involved with E3, they have, again, nearby a place that they already own. So it's like they are able to lean I was gonna say lean into lean. I was waiting for it. Oh, I was the first one of the episode. I hear the I hear the alcohol going back. I'm trying to be good, folks. I'm really trying to <laughs> be good, uh, and and use that sort of thing so it's easier for them than it is for say Sony. But and when I say lower the pricing for the vendors, I'm talking like fifty percent. It have to be because you just have to. I think if your pricing is so high yeah. that they can rent a whole other venue. In an area with high prices, cheaper than joining yours, that's a problem. Yes. And this is a struggle that, and I can speak from smaller events that I used to be involved with. While I was not the main planner, I worked on the budgetary side of these things. And that was often a big tension with vendor booths and such, for example, was how much can we ask for? We want to fill the space. So you want the price as high as you can get Mm -hmm. to fill the space, but not so high that you're now actually leaving money on the table because people are like, this is not worth it for what I get out of it. Right. And those numbers changed over time. And that's the same thing that's, oh, or sponsorships were the same way. How much for a sponsorship? And now where, when I, where I'm at now, I added sponsorships to our big event and my sponsorships are less than the entity I used to work for because it's less valuable to be at my new places event because I don't have the same money decision makers that the other right. entity does. So I priced accordingly. 
ESA is pricing like this is still the 90s. It's like, no, you're not. not, All this crap is leaking before E3 even hits. Oh, yeah. You're getting used as just like E3 week is kind of like when people like to do a lot of their media dump stuff now, but they don't have to be there for that. So at least make it cheap enough so that being there makes sense to get in front of a lot of journalists. That's the strength. Right. Because even though there are a lot of influencers now, and maybe you want to involve the influence, I can still see an angle for that. Uh, maybe make it so that it's not, not like anyone like we could probably get an influencer tag with, yeah with our uh youtube channel which well no yeah it'd be, it'd be, it'd be better for this but i bet uh, my understanding well, is the threshold's po- really low so yeah no i'm sure we could get one uh uh, uh i i have no doubt at all do you know we who we are one. we could get one. We, we could get one yeah. it wouldn't be a big deal here's the thing is even if i had the time and inclination in all honesty i'd rather spend the time and money to go to a pax where I'd have more fun than to go to an yeah, E3. And that's what, I, and I've heard that. I've heard that from journalists who work in game media. Right. Like, but, but PAX is more fun. PAX is fun. I, I go to E3 because it's paid for and I have to do it for my job. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. it's just, and it's just like, I mean, and we've talked about it on the pinball side. Expo, it's the same drive as yeah. Texas. Yeah. It's the same drive for us. Yeah. Well, we go to Texas because, te- because, of how much fun we have in Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Now, to be saying, fair, we haven't tried Expo to see. We, we haven't tried Expo, there. but also a lot more of our local friends and our local pinball people that we know go to Texas yes. and go to Expo. And part of that is probably my guess was Expo's past reputation, which sounds like it's gotten better. I think I'd like us to try for an Expo at some point. It's a I weekend trip. Yeah. We might be able to, we might be able to. With my new position and my lack of on-call, it's something that's discussable. Okay. I have to look at the schedule because my problem is that uh, Expo falls around when, just like with my past job and my current job, around when typically what we call the annual meeting is. Right. And I, those dates are set. So yeah. So that's the one thing. But otherwise, yeah, we can see about yeah. it. Yeah. Because – I've Write into eclecticgamingspodcast.gmail.com and convince us why we should dine, D-E-I-G-N, you with our presence at Expo. <laughs> then it suggested we were going to consume people like they were tortillas. So. But yeah, no, that's... The E3 has to make some, yeah. make some major I just major I don't changes. I just don't see how without Sony there, you're just missing a huge... I mean... Well, and what's interesting is... I'm, I'm going to go ahead and read a quote from... Uh, questioning with the Sony people. He said, uh, after a thorough evaluation, Sony Interactive Entertainment has decided not to participate in E3 2020. We have great respect for the ESA as an organization, but we do not feel the vision of E3 2020 is the right venue for what we are focused on this year. They're releasing the PlayStation 5. Nothing else matters. Mm. And they think E3 is not the right venue for what they're focused on. Because of its vision. Because of its vision. E3's best event is a chance just to go back to a small media-driven event. That's what it is. Okay. So we're in, we're in alignment on this. Yeah. So that's the problem. I, I think that, well, that and, and, and every major important thing for an E3 in the last five years has been leaked two weeks right. before E3. And that's where I, I really talk about the pricing for the... Uh, vendors, the the manufacturers, the developers, the publishers to actually get their space. That is just, I think, is just too high for something that can be done without E3 now. 
And that's where E3 has, because where I think E3's struggled is they've been making less money as more and more entities have pulled the EA move and pulled out. And so they're trying to make the capital up on the common plebe attendees. And it's like, you're not designed for that either. And it's yep. like, so you're not PAX. We're not even going to call you PAX Light. And, oh, not even close. And so you're still not convincing any of the existing publishers that you're worth sticking around for by doing it like this. And everyone who's going there that used to matter, the media, feels like they're just at some weird cattle call now. And they're questioning why they have to do this instead of just watching some live streams and staying yeah. at home. So, I mean, how many of the journalists are going because the bosses who aren't directly involved are like, oh, E3 is the big media event. Click, click. Yep. There's your, there's your vouchers. Go. There's your vouchers. Go. There's your vouchers. Yeah. Go. And so, you know, they set up their little tables and they live stream and they're live streaming their version of E3 from, and that's how we consume E3 is mm-hmm. from those, those stream events. And it's like, eh, okay. I mean, I've never. Not in modern times, have had any compulsion to want to go to E3 because it just sounds no. awful. It sounds terrible. Where everything I hear about, like, like here's the list of conventions I, I, I would like to attend Gen Con, PAX. Mm. Those are the big ones. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we already attend a pinball convention. Yeah. I would like to go to, I would like to go to Replay FX, but that's more for Penberg than anything else. Uh, but those are those. That's like my lip. That's my list. <gasps> punch the microphone. I punched the microphone. Violence. I punched it to the ground. Happy birthday. <laughs> to the ground. My dad's not a phone. <laughs> I'll throw it all over. Okay. okay. Sorry. If we do any more of that, we're going to have to pay royalties. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to. Um, so, yeah. No. I think I, I, I think E3 is going to have to do some soul searching. They, if, if they lose another major. I mean. When your tent poles are Microsoft and Bethesda, mm-hmm. uh, it's just not enough for as long as especially it is. considering Bethesda's walking around with a bear trap closed on e- each leg and an arm at this point uh, that they've done to themselves because they're like, "I'm going to set this bear trap." Oh, I stepped in it. Um, well, it was you know the last twelve months have been awkward for a lot of entities. Activision Blizzard, yes, as well. Um, so anyway, so yeah, that was the big, so that was the big video game news. I knew we'd definitely be covering, but there's been more. Oh, there's been so much more with what could be taken as a, 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 as a point that Bethesda and a couple other game developers should probably take a hint from, uh, CD Projekt Red announced that instead of releasing Cyberpunk 2077 on April 16th, they're pushing it to September 17th because they don't have the polish on it yet that they want. Okay. So. I did. I was aware of this. Just floating it out there. This is a great idea. If the game's not ready, delay it. Well, now, I, I agree. I do agree with you. But let me say, there is a reputation or a at least a perception that if you have given a release date and you delay, unless you are rock star, you are trashed here for doing it and that you will be raked over the coals because people were expecting their big spring game. And now you've betrayed them. You lied. Uh, you've your failure. Rockstar gets a pass because it's Rockstar, But, and apparently CG Project Red probably gets a pass because it's CG Project Red. Yeah. But yeah, no, they, but that if EA were to do it, 
they would be criticized, and that's why they stick with the. But dates. the thing is, is I think that's a perception. I do. That's think. not real. I agree because people just like everybody says, oh, don't, don't. This game was crud. We we, we shouldn't have pre-ordered. People still pre-order stuff constantly. Yes. Yep. That's all talk. I mean, it, it's all talk. It doesn't. It's just matter. like pinball with video. It really yeah. is. It's they're awful. not going to. Y'all they, are gonna buy. Y'all they are, are not. Buy. Yeah, they're not going to lose sales because of this. The where things lose sales is where you force the date when the game's not ready and the game is crap, and you get that initial word of mouth. No matter how, no matter how many changes have been made, no matter how much good word of mouth is out there about the fixes, if you mention No Man's Sky to anybody, it's a burning tire fire. Yes. And yes. that game is a lot better than it was. Yes, and I've heard that from people who have gone back and played it. I mean, I mean, I was playing it just a couple weeks ago, and that game is a lot better than it was. But it's always going to be a burning tire fire. Yeah. So. Uh, and now, the interesting thing about this, well, I completely concur that this is smart. I believe there's another, and I don't remember the name of it. I heard there's another fairly large spring release that also got pushed back. So now what looked like a crowded period looks kind of dead because so many people were yeah. avoiding the date because they knew they did not want to go. They did not want to go up against cyberpunk. Right. And that's always that. That's not unusual, but, uh, we see movies do that from time uh, yep. to time, trying to avoid major. Like you don't want to go up against Star Wars, even so, if it's even if it's going to be a bad Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, you know, you don't want to go up against yeah. Star Wars, right? So, so it's kind of like some. I heard some discussion about. Okay, so this uh, things uh, things right around April are kind of looking a little light. I think someone said it sounds like I'm going to be playing a lot of Animal Crossing, and that's about it. Yeah, because that's the big spring release that I know of now. Yeah, yeah. We're going to segue off of that onto another bit of completely drama-free news. Um, we've not talked about Star Citizen in a while. Yeah. I think we only ever had one episode where we put more than five minutes on it. Right. It's just kind of a mention that makes sure right, people right. knows that it's still alive. Can you, as for those, because a lot of our listeners probably don't know about Star, Star Citizen, can you kind of provide Star, a nice little synopsis? Star Citizen is a game created by Chris Roberts. Uh, and his group, uh, Cloud Imperium Games. And my, people may, if you're a longtime video game fan, you may recall Chris Roberts' name because he was associated with the Wing Commander series. Yes. And Star Citizen is basically supposed to be the modern version of Wing Commander. It is the same. It's a space flight sim, but it is so... It's so much more. It's so much more. Because it has uh, a first-person... Uh, section where you are i mean with combat and driving cars and this and that and then you fly your ship and and you can get up and walk around your ship and it, it is going to be a giant always on immersive world where you and other people play and run together it's going to be an mmo yes and i would say the reason why besides the sheer ambitiousness of it that People know about Star Citizen is it's it made a lot of Kickstarter money. It I don't it made, know if it's got the record. No, um, the record has been taken. Okay, it had, it had the record. The, it had the record at one time. It, uh, but part of the thing is yes, it made a lot of Kickstarter mon money. But even after the Kickstarter, it is making tons and tons of money uh, from people donating money directly. On their website, even now. Um, let me see. I mean, let me see if they've got the. Uh, 
And while while Tony's looking that up, uh, if I, got I would a know modern, the a current number. The other uh, aspect that I think is pretty unique to it, and some of the, obviously, as a lot of this is my opinion, is that it's also in a lot of ways almost a poster child example uh, of scope creep. Oh where yeah, it is. As so they much. got more and more money, they kept adding more and more to what was already a very ambitious project. So that's part of the reason I feel why. It seems almost like this multi-headed hydra of what started as this really impressive big dream of a space sim into all these other genres of video game aspects integrated into that same core concept. So, and it's been go because of all of this, it has been under development for a number of years. For years and years. I, let me see. Let me log into my account because I am a original backer of Star Citizen. Let me log into my account. I think it has the date that I had initially done my background. 13. I backed in 13. So that's when the, that's that's when this has all been going from. And they're in development. They're in they're up to alpha 3.8 is what they're up to and I haven't found i don't i don't remember where to look uh to see how much money they have but they are literally selling you can go right this second and go purchase ship packs and stuff for five hundred dollars i mean some of the cheap ones are 45 or 65 dollars or you can get the more expensive ones that are you know like ten thousand dollars and people are buying them Mm -hmm. yep and that's and that's been the case for years yeah so so with that background now established what is this non-drama. This completely non-drama is Crytek Industries, okay. uh, the creators of the Cry Engine. Yes. Um, has for the last several years had a lawsuit out against uh, uh, Cloud Imperium Games Makers of Star Citizen. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, well, and the reason, they, the thing is, is they've had the lawsuit out with several different things on it, of which... Um, Seven of them have been dismissed by the court or withdrawn because they were invalid. Uh, and the one that is left, uh, is that they are suing Cloud Imperium for developing two games using CryEngine while having only paid for a development license for one, for a uh, game okay. license. Because in addition to Star Citizen, there is a smaller single-player game called Squadron 42. Yeah, I've heard of that. That is being developed that will work with the Star Citizen engine. It's just, it's it's from the Star Citizen launcher and everything to play it. But, because the game's not out, Crytek has decided to, they have petitioned to have the, it, to have the lawsuit dismissed without prejudice or conditions so they can refile upon the release of Squadron 42. Okay. Because since the game's not out, they're in a, their legal case isn't in a great position until no. it actually publishes. Right. Because there's no two, there's not two, right. there's not even one game because nothing's been formally released yet other than alpha builds of the game for playtesting reasons. So I'm guessing that uh, Cloud Imperium would prefer that it, I'm sure they'd love it to be dismissed, but but actually with prejudice. And that's what Cloud Imperium did file. They filed to have it dismissed with prejudice. And the reason they filed for that and what they're arguing in their document that they uh, filed of which Crytek has until, I believe, the 
7th of February to respond to. Okay. Uh, they're arguing that, that both games would, are since, since both games would be launched from the same launcher, they're the same thing. They're arguing that in their, uh, initial game licensing agreement, the game licensing agreement is that it was expressly, uh, mentioned in it that it defined the game as Star Citizen and its related space fighter game. Which means in the actual agreement they have with Crytek, that it specifically says two games, Star Citizen and a related space fighter game, which would be Squadron 42. Which would seem like a pretty cut and dried case already putting Crytek in a really bad spot. But it gets even farther because... CIG has also switched from CryEngine to Amazon Lumberyard, which is based off of CryEngine, but Amazon basically bought CryEngine from Crytek Mm. and have rights, and CIG put together a license with Amazon. Well, Crytek gave Amazon the rights to use CryEngine and also the rights to use older versions of CryEngine in addition to their Lumberyard development. We, and in CIG's development, they have uh, are licensed with Amazon. It grants them the, the, the use of older versions of it through their license, which is also the license that Crytek has agreed that Amazon's allowed to do. So they are arguing that this should be dismissed because A, they're not using CryEngine anymore. B, even if they were using CryEngine, it's in the game licensing agreement that it is okay for them to do this because they set that up originally to begin with. Okay, so given everything you've just summarized, uh, it sounds like Crytek is not in a strong legal position. to me As a non-lawyer, this is my interpretation of it. So what, I mean, it's to me it's like this... Is Crytek really planning to refile after the Crytek games are needs the money. Okay. So they're trying to get out of this. Crytek needs the money. And when this was initially filed, the court required Crytek to put up a $500,000 bond mm. to pay Cloud Imperium's fees. Oh, legal fees. Legal okay. fees and, and and help pay for their attorney fees if this turned out to be a bogus thing. For wasting time. For wasting right. time. Okay. So, the general sentiment seems to be that the Crytek's trying to get the release without prejudice and conditions so they can reap the bond back in without having to pay. Right. Without an actual intention of relitigating later. Right. Because they know they have no case. Because they have no case. And... Uh, the, I, I recommend we've got a link in the show notes to the actual court document. Right. And we also have a link in the show notes to one of the many stories about this, but the actual court document is very interesting. Uh, I do not know enough about law to know how, if this is a normal, ri- normally written document or what it is or exactly how it goes, but it's, it's, it's pretty harsh and it lays things out. Real harsh. That's basically like Crytek needs money. Crytek's just been doing this to try and get us to settle out of court and pay them a bunch of money mm-hmm. is how it sounds th- as you go throughout. Right. Because Crytek basically doesn't have 
with the deal they signed to get money from Amazon, Crytek basically doesn't have a reason to exist anymore. Oh, yeah. I was like, it's interesting that they're still existing if they've basically sold their engine off to Amazon. Right. Why they're even around. Exactly. I mean, unless they've got another product, which I I don't really know. Crytek, I, don't, so. I don't. I don't know. Huh. Uh, well, that's uh, interesting. Just because most of the time when I hear new stuff, it's usually CIG that's the one looking bad. Right, and and and, the, and that's what why this stood out as a surprise. I'm just going to quick uh, quickly go through some of these ones of these cases uh, that were dropped. Uh, they'd initially Crytek had initially accused. Uh, CIG's co-founder and general counsel of engaging in a conflict of negotiation when negotiating. Uh, that was withdrawn because it was uh, uh, due to court rules because of a waiver. Uh, they uh, alleged that CIG violated part of or violated the game licensing agreement by switching to a different game engine. The court dismissed that. Because it was unsupported by the language of the GLA and anathema to the concept of, of a license. Uh, they sought punitive damages on its claims of breach of contract and copyright infringement. The court dismissed that because it was unsupported by the simplest black letter law. Um, it amended the complaint at a new claim alleging that they violated the GLA by engaging in, in a competing game engine business. Uh, if that was dismissed, uh, because they had stated no facts to support the claim, uh, they claimed that they'd violated the GLA's non-disclosure provisions by sharing CryEngine source code with third party, with a third party company. Uh, it was dropped because, uh, they didn't share and they, and Crytek had no evidence that they'd share to support its claim. They're just like, uh, we think they did this, mm-hmm. but there was no evidence at all that it had ever happened. Uh, and both sides declared that it didn't happen. They claimed that CIG had violated the GLA by failing to deliver bug fixes and engine optimizations. <laughs> they had to drop that claim because CIG was able to prove that they not only delivered it, they, they tendered the code and delivered it, and they had proof of it. So that claim had to be dropped. And they claimed that they violated the GLA by posting snippets of CryEngine in the video series Bug Smashers. And... Uh, they it was dropped by court order after they pointed out that Crytek had already published all of its code and thus could not possibly be damaged by the alleged snippets because Crytek had published everything. Wow. It sounds yeah, it sounds really like a a settlement lawsuit designed just to a nuisance suit. There we go. It's that's a nuisance. What, that's suit. the term I'm looking for. It sounds like yeah, a, a blatant so. nuisance suit. Well, and it sounds like CIG's like no, we'll break you. Uh, that's how it comes from. And it's interesting because, like you said, typically anything to do with Star Citizen has been stuff like Wouldn't it be not? Well, if you had the money, just thinking about it, what, would you rather, I mean, if you just, if you had the funds, if it was like, you didn't, money wasn't an issue, and someone were to hit you with a nuisance lawsuit, wouldn't, wouldn't you just want to break them and be like, you're not getting a settlement. We're going to humiliate you, and we're going to, we're going to make you lose. You're going to lose bad, and everyone's going to know that you're a loser. I would I, I would want to hire the right lawyer to completely break them, and I want his closing arguments to end with Neil before Zod. I'm just saying, Zod Esquire. <laughs> Neil before <laughs> Zod Esquire. <laughs> chung chung. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, so, yeah. That's a lot of people's fear, you know, is to get hit with a nuisance lawsuit, and it's like, well, you got you got to settle because it's going to cost so much to go through court and fight it. 
Right. But of course, CIG is blue. Got, it's like, you kidding me? We sell $500 ship packs. <laughs> yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Well, and we that's why- We use in-house counsel on this Mickey Mouse complaint. And that's why a lot of states and countries have laws- Well, and hence the bond. Right. And that's the, and the bond. Exactly. Which, if it's closed with prejudice, that bond, they're going to have to hand that bond over to CIG. I wonder whose bright idea it was to attempt a nuisance suit to get money. Um, I mean, I guess if they were so desperate, they maybe thought it was their only reasonable option and figured... Well, that's why they sold to Amazon with giving Amazon the rights they did, is because they were going under. Yeah, but I'm, I'm curious, like... They must. I'm just kind of curious. Like they must have another product or something. Otherwise, just shut the business down. You know, spin it down and be like, okay, well, we don't we don't have a purpose anymore. I mean, we sold our intellectual property, so sell and let the owners take. You know, after you pay your debts, whatever's left, or go to the. I don't know if they're a shareheld, publicly owned company or not. Uh, They are still. Let me see. I just find it weird. If they're publicly traded. We'd probably know. Well, you can do a lot of legal discussions behind the veil. You know, executive session sort of stuff. So, so they are still they are still developing games. Okay, Uh, they've had one game come out in nineteen. Hunt Showdown. I don't recognize it. it. Yeah, I don't know it. Uh, They had two games in sixteen, a game in fourteen. So they're not developing a lot. Three games in Crisis Three. Yeah, that's a lot, like the last game I know of that I right. played. I mean, that, that, I had that, fun with it. Yeah, but. that was that was the last. Uh, so they're still they're still doing okay. So they're still in game development. They're still in game development. Sounds like it ain't going well. Yeah, in sixteen they shut down their studios in Hungary, Bulgaria, South Korea, and China. Hmm. They hmm. also sold some of their companies, some of them to other companies. Okay, so. well, well, sucks to be them. But no drama there. No drama at all. Nah. So we're going to go on. We'll move on to the to, to our last run of video game talk. It's something that we talk about a lot here on EGP because it's video game related that we really enjoy. And that is Overwatch. So. Yes. It's been nothing but happy so far getting to this point. No drama getting to this point. So we're going into Overwatch. And there's a little bit of drama in Overwatch. Unfortunately, yeah. As there always is. Yeah. There was an announcement made that they are finally going to have a developer update coming by the end of the month. Finally. It's been Ugh. six plus months, I think. Yeah. The last developer and, you know, update. I mean, ever, I don't think everyone's too surprised, just sort of disappointed. Yeah. That, everyone knows that they're dumping all their time into Overwatch 2. Mm-hmm. And, but it's kind of pissing off the player base. Because the multiplayer is going to be merged, so it feels like you're neglecting the game because you are because you're waiting for your big new game launch, which is going to ostensibly help the current game too. But we're right. not, we don't even have the release date on that. So, and the fact that we're kind of locked in a meta that makes you look back fondly <laughs> to goats. Well, I suppose it depends whether or not you play DPS, but. <laughs> how patient of a person you are yeah but uh so so, continue but with the the announcement of a developer update coming out there have been leaks Mm. major leaks that have been taken as the gospel truth because at least one of the leakers is well known for having very a very very good track record with strong spy network yeah yeah 
and the leaks are that one of the announcements will be hero bands. Okay. Um, you want to explain what a hero band a is? A hero band, it's very common in MOBAs like League of Legends and, and, and Dota and this and that. It's where in the startup before the game starts, each team can is allowed to ban heroes from use, from play. Yeah, for both so, sides. For both sides. So you're a, so so you can basically force meta shifts yes. to to fit your playstyle better. Uh, just as I well, I've not really played personally play MOBAs, played games with hero bands. My own personal assessment has been that this idea was probably the easiest way to break the situation that they have, where they're constantly rebalancing to change the meta. Yeah. So I've actually been in favor of at least trying it. I think it'd be worth a try. I don't know how well it would actually work, but I think it could be. I don't think it would. It, right. It, because it it introduces a lot of complications in a way because, I, uh, for example, there are a number of people. It's not the majority, but there are a number of players that are playing Overwatch and they only want to play one character. They're, we call them yes. one tricks. Right. Short for one trick pony. And one tricks, if you go in and someone says, well, we're not allowing Torbjorn because Torbjorn is a terrible character and we're tired of dealing with people that think he's okay to play on offense. And you've just taken that one trick. Now they, they, when they go into a match, they don't know whether or not they'll get to play the character they want to play. And they might just quit. And they might just quit. And, and they might not quit playing the game. And right. And then you lose your, uh, your install bases in playing. Right. And then you are also running up against the fact that especially. With the roll queues, wait times for uh, players, most especially DPS players, are already long enough. And even if you expedite every the, the voting as quick as possible, you're still looking at adding another 45 seconds or a minute from when a match actually to before a match actually starts. On top of you're already choosing heroes and doing everything else, because now you've got to choose bands. Yeah, and you can't obviously can't choose heroes right. before bands before the bands go active. Right. So you're looking so at stretching your time even my, longer. My solution on try it actually is just do it for the Overwatch League. Meta actually has very little role in la- what we call ladder, which is actual ranked play. Right. Because, and I believe former Overwatch pro Jake, who is now an analyst for the Overwatch League, has noted even at the grandmaster level when you go online and just play a ranked game in Overwatch. The coordination and communication is terrible. It's, it's almost like it's playing. Well, it is. It's playing casual. It's still right. playing casual. It's just top tier casual. And they break the meta all the time in ranked. Yeah. But in the Overwatch League, where it's all about teamwork, you formed a professional sports team to play. That's where it can make a difference and be okay. Because those cues and all that then aren't an issue, uh, regarding right. the ban. You could do bans in the, in just league and then. Because one of the struggles that we have all as players, lower level players, have to experience is Blizzard keeps shifting stuff because they're balancing around the meta in the league. And then you end up with scenarios where people are like, in gold tier, Reaper is oppressive because he's so OP, OP being overpowered. And, but he's just fine at, at the league level. Right. That's why they're in the shift. In addition to that, I think, uh, it has been said before, that Blizzard's argument is they want what people see in League to be what the same as what they experience. Yes, on and, the I, and I, I totally understand it, but I don't think it's as important as they. And think that's it is. and that's the thing. I think that it's 
the priority, I, you see, again, kind of going back to the TPN and the launch trailer thing, it's like they have one priority they're trying to address, but it might not actually be the priority that the general public is most concerned with. Even at the level of play you see on Grandmaster, as you said, it's so much different than actual league play. I mean, we're talking NFL versus really good high schools. That's what it is. It's not even NFL versus college level play. You're talking NFL versus top tier high school play. That's the difference. You could take the top players for every position from the best high schools in the country and the worst NFL team is going to vaporize them. It's going to be humiliating. And that's the issue. It's always going to, it's always going to be like mm-hmm. that. So trying to balance the two is going to be something that's always going to be hurting Blizzard. So the bans, are they happening? Do we know? They're not happening. Oh, well, the rumors, the people go, everything going insane. It blew up so much that Jeff Kaplan, the Jeff Kaplan, the Jeff is, Kaplan, we, lead people developer, call him Papa Jeff. Yeah. Papa Jeff, Papa Jeff had to come out and have one of his little talks. Mm-hmm. And his little talk was that there's no hero ban coming. It got so hyped up, and he came out and he announced that hero bans are not going to be a major topic of the upcoming update, and that the developers are reluctant to add them to the game. They're not saying no, that they won't be added to the game at some point, but none of them are in favor of the idea. So it seems pretty unlikely. So it's very unlikely. Okay. Well, good. Nice of him to clarify it. So that. So what's coming in the big update? Who knows? Yeah. But it's not hero bands, which has a. Honestly, from the looks of it, it's pretty evenly split between the people who wanted hero bands and the people who thought the idea was terrible. Yeah. So the fan base, the vocal fan base, seems pretty evenly split. So. We'll see how it goes from here. All right. So now surely that's the only thing that we have to worry about yeah. involving Overwatch. Of course it is. That's the only thing. A couple other things. Yeah. Uh, so well. uh, Overwatch League for the first two seasons was on Twitch. Yes. Exclusive deal. Exclusive deal for Twitch. Um, That Twitch deal was a two-year deal. It has ended. And... There are reports that there was a pretty serious bidding war going on for season three and Twitch was not the winner. Uh, it was announced on Friday that Activision Blizzard and Google have announced a multi-year partnership. That partnership in- will includes the Call of Duty League, which just started Friday. Okay. It includes the Overwatch League and it includes, uh, Hearthstone esports and outside of China. They will be streamed exclusively on YouTube gaming. Mm. But the deal's even bigger than that. Because in addition to all of that, Blizzard is going to be moving all of their server infrastructure for Activision Blizzard's online games to Google Cloud from Amazon Web Service. Oh, that's a big shift. So I'm sure the developers love that. Yeah, I'm sure they're not just like working quadruple overtime trying to make that happen. So this was a major deal. I have not seen an announcement of the actual 
price numbers right. on this deal. I'm sure we, those will come public eventually. Eventually, but they're not out there yet. We do know that the original deal with Twitch was a $90 million yeah, two year deal. I mean, that alone guaranteed that no matter what, how well or bad the Overwatch League did, it was paid for for its two years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that was a guarantee. Um, I don't think there are big concerns about YouTube gaming's ability to handle yeah, Overwatch public League. reaction has been a bit mixed. I would characterize what little I've read about it as some people are a little sad about not having the Twitch emotes, uh, and that's about it. Otherwise, a lot yeah. of people have said that YouTube gaming has less lag. And it also, well, and YouTube gaming is has a built-in system to act like your DVR. So if you have to go to the bathroom, you hit the pause button. You go to the bathroom, you come back and you hit play and it picks up and keeps going. Yeah, you know, Twitch is, because it was the first, it was the big dog and it maintains the big dog. It seems like basically because it was the big dog. Mm -hmm. I hear things like that YouTube gaming and Mixer are actually technologically better platforms. I've heard the same thing. But I've watched watched a fair number of people who stream on YouTube gaming. I really like YouTube Mm -hmm. gaming. I think Papa TV on the pinball side does a lot through the through the YouTube, yeah. or at least they were doing some live streams through it at some point, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and and, and there are some services out there that allow some smaller content creators. You can't do it obviously at the higher end affiliate or high end affiliate partner levels, but some smaller creators that I watch actually use services that let them simultaneously stream on both. Mm-hmm. And I found that with the ones that I watch that do that, I'm pretty much watching them on YouTube now. Yeah, because yeah, I noticed, think overall uh, it's better. Yeah, I think in fact our the Streamlabs OBS will allow that. Yes, uh, but again, like with EGP, once we hit affiliate status, we're not allowed to have affiliate status and simultaneously stream on any other right. service. It's a price you have to pay, right? So, to get to get what bits it is. and donations through yeah. the Twitch. I mean, but if you're not making money there, then they don't care about you. But otherwise, yeah, right. So, so uh, we'll see how that's going forward. It sounds like the. Opening weekend of the Call of Duty League went all right. Okay, I didn't. I didn't watch it. Yeah, I'm not a Call of Duty. Player. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not a big Call of Duty guy. I played it a lot when I was younger, but I haven't in years. But um, we'll have to see how that goes forward. Uh, it's from what everything I've seen, it's built pretty similar to how Overwatch League has been built. Uh, which makes sense. It's Activision Blizzard, the same yeah, esports yeah. groups. Yeah, so. that, that was clearly a model they were trying to attempt to move forward with on esports as a concept. Yeah, league structure. Yeah. Yep. And we'll, and we'll see how it works out for them mm-hmm. because this year, season three of Overwatch League is the begin of the all homestand matches. Yes. Where everybody's traveling, they're not all just living in L.A. and and playing at the exact same venue in L.A. Which means, you know, there's going to be some deals. There's going to be some issues. There's going to be some jet lag issues. And um, apparently, uh, there's going to be some other major issues because uh, if you haven't been watching the news lately or if you're listening to this, you know, years in the future, just catching up because you're, you know, trying to do that. uh, Currently, there has been an outbreak of coronavirus in China. And they're doing some shutdowns and they're doing some uh, um, 
closing of large public venues to help prevent the spread. Yeah, they actually it's it's very interesting for those that uh don't don't know I actually I work in public health now. That's where I I used that was actually where I first started was doing public health work when I got out of school. Not by training. My training was to basically be a bureaucrat, but that was my first field and I'm back in it again. And of course this is all the big talk because China has been instituting massive quarantine. Pro- yeah. The, ne- these sort of quarantine procedures have never been done on this scale before. Right. It's, it's in and a way, it's fascinating to see if it will it work. It is. And it's also, I know, caused some concerns online because the quarantine levels seem out of, le- uh, out of tune with the number of confirmed cases. Right. But, uh, as things, as the information has started to come out, it is. Yeah. We're talking about something that has. It's the incubation period that's yeah. making this so difficult. And it's now, from what I read this morning, people are infectious while still in the incubation period. Right. So they're not, they're asymptomatic, but they have the disease and they're spreading the disease. And most diseases aren't like that. Right. Usually, you know, like if you've got strep, it's once you present the symptoms is when you start shedding your bacteria and people, and a lot of viruses work that way too. Right. And in this case, You've got it. It's multiplying, but you're, you're totally, you look fine mm-hmm. until like 10 plus days in. Yeah, it's 10 to, then, it's like 10 to 14 days. And then you present. So that's where, and we've got cases now in the U.S. as well confirmed. Four now. Yes. And so the concern is though that they're four confirmed because they're sick. So how many people got infected right. by them before right. then? How, how virulent is the disease? Like what's the percentage? It sounds like. It's pretty contagious. Yeah. And it do, it seems to be droplet last I read, mm-hmm. which means it's not like the, it's not, what is it? It's not like particulate where if I walked into a room and, 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 and just, I was in the room and exhaled. Right. There would be a concern for people in the room, but if right. I sneezed, not, right. there could be. It's like, do you count? It's in a way it's, I'm trying to remember it's in terms of how you classify it as airborne. Yes, you, you can, you'll catch it from the air. But essentially by inhaling the moisture right. of someone who's shedding the disease. But so it spreads pretty bad, but not to the degree of like, if you're in another room, you're not worried about the central air system right. spreading it around. Uh, and, so, but and it's bad. Still. It's bad. I mean, like, like Dennis said, uh, they're doing very major quarantines. Uh, Disneyland Shanghai has been shut down indefinitely. Uh, this morning they announced Disneyland Hong Kong is shut down indefinitely. They've closed like all 10,700 movie theaters in the country and they're shutting down major events, public gatherings. Everything's being shut down. Yes. Now, for those that don't know and tying this back into video games, Overwatch, there are what three Chinese teams, Chinese three, based. There are Sha- three Chinese Shanghai, teams. Which, Shanghai, which was from uh, the first season. And then last season they added uh, Guangzhou. Guangzhou. And uh, uh, who is the other? Uh, Hang, Hangzhou. Hangzhou, yeah. Hangzhou. Hangzhou. And with the home stands where everyone's playing on their home turf. Right. Starting on week two and in weeks two, week three, and week four are the first three Chinese home stands. So are those happening? We don't know. Okay. This morning, actually very late last night, um, Riot Games, uh, the producers of League of Legends, mm. Announced that they are indefinitely putting on hold the the League of Legends Pro League and the League of Legends Development League. So basically, their version of uh, of the Overwatch League and Contenders. Um, 
until further notice. They are just, they're done. Uh, uh, they were set to resume on the 3rd of February. So two weeks ish before the first homestand, the first Chinese homestand is February 15th. The first actual week over Overwatch League plays the week before. Right. Uh, the 8th, uh, yeah, the 8th. And, but those play, those are all going to be in the U.S. The first week's play. Okay. And, but, in addition to those shutdowns, it's also been shown that there has been an announcement like the Chinese Motorsports Association has delayed their event scheduled uh, between February 12th and 14th, which puts it right in the timeline with the first homestand. And on their website, when they did the shutdown, uh, it mentioned that the Chinese General Administration of Sport has advised a pause on all events before April. So, with so many homestands in... China for the Overwatch League. They're going to have to come to a decision on something. Yeah. And uh, there are reports coming out, uh, specifically uh, sourced to fusions, uh, uh, to, to hype people from fusion that Overwatch League is working on something, but just hasn't announced yet, which I would assume. Okay. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, given that, given how long the the situation and the edicts on avoiding large gatherings, my guess will be that they might go with the angle of trying to find a location that is near China, but not in China, or possibly using a city that is not under quarantine, if they can figure out one. Because they went from 10 to 16 in a day. There's currently 50 million people under quarantine in China. So, I mean, and the... So I don't know what I I don't know. I mean I don't know if it's you go, hard. I don't know if you do something like you say. Well, maybe they go and approach uh, Singapore, which has a, a large Chinese population. But I don't know if they're going to be interested in going and watching Overwatch League matches. Right. I think if they want to stay close, the most obvious thing would be to try and set up and shift those home games to Seoul, mm. because Seoul's involved in two of the three weekends already. Okay. Okay, yeah, that would make a lot of sense. But they need to make the decisions because if they're going to come out, if the player, if the Chinese players are going to come out of China to play, they're going to have to probably go through a two-week quarantine before they're allowed. Yes. So then you get the ball rolling. Right. Otherwise, they're not going to have a team to yeah. field. Right. And the other option is to shut down or just delay those based games and put them towards the end of the season since this season's not doing stages like the previous seasons have uh but there are some weeks with no games scheduled they can yeah they, they, that's a good point yeah they, they can push it to yeah, that could work later dates or even add extra scheduled games towards the uh end of the series because let's see week 27 is the last week and it is ske- currently scheduled for August. Mm. So they could find spots in between to put together uh, and in some of the break weeks that are built in to move them to. I'm sure they're all things that are being... Oh, Chengdu. We forgot Chengdu. Chengdu's the no, other Chengdu. Chinese team. Oh, yeah. We're just going to have to see... Uh, and this is obviously going to be a developing case, but if we're looking at no Chinese homestands allowable until April. Now, I think the vast majority of the Chinese teams, 
at the at least the vast majority of like Shanghai are Korean players. So if they're not in China yet, Shanghai might be okay. Mm. Because I think they're primarily Korean at this point. Okay. I, I think they've only got one Chinese player left on Shanghai. Uh, week, week five is already preset in Seoul. Uh, week six is in Florida and another Chinese homestand. See, that's the thing. China is front loaded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the league has done very well, is my understanding, in popularity in China. So right. There was a lot of, that's why there's so many Chinese teams when the first season only had one. Yeah. Uh, it's just, yeah, there was demand for it. That's why they're right. there. And that's also why, why with the deal, uh, with Google that doesn't include China, uh, Overwatch League's actually streamed on, I think, four or five different groups inside China mm. have streaming rights. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, no, we will, like I said, this is one of those developing things that we'll probably be following for a while. Developing story. With developing Tony. story. Uh, but this has the, it's going to have a large effect on the season overall. So. Yep. We'll just have to see. Mm, yeah. It's going to be interesting. Yes. I th- you're going to see a lot of disruption because of this disease. Yeah. And not for just a lot of things. For so. a lot of, lots and lots of things. So. Um, video game wise, that's all I've really got. See, no, there was no drama in video no, game. No drama. No drama. You're video. right again. Tiny little bit of drama, maybe in Overwatch League. Just a tad. Just a tidbit. Tad. It's just hero bands. Yeah. But well, I guess that's it for the show. Now, all that said, you can always reach out to us at collectorgamerspodcast at gmail.com. We're also available at facebook.com slash eclecticgamerspodcast. We're on Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter at eclectic underscore gamers, of which Instagram gets stuff like when we're at TPF. Yeah, pretty much. But hey, it's there. You it's can always, there for TPF. You can always like the old photos from last TPF. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that's it. We'll be back in about two weeks. So I'm Dennis. I'm Tony. Goodbye, everybody. See ya.